Welcome to the Semper Reformata Podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. The passage that we read together from the book of Acts is an amazing, dramatic account of an event that is pivotal in the life of the early church. Jesus has been speaking to his disciples. It's post-resurrection. Forty days has gone by. He has been meeting with them in various places. But now it's time for him to ascend to heaven's glory. He has been speaking to them of how they would go out into all the world. How they would uh, go into Jerusalem and carry the, the message of the gospel and, and carry the promise of the Father. And he has told them that at this time, whether they want to look for signs of the times or not, it's not for them to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. And then something amazing happens. For right before their very eyes, he was taken up, says the scriptures, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The ascension of the Lord is linked with his second coming, his return. For here are these two men, dressed in white, standing as the disciples stand gazing into heaven. And they say, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him. Go into heaven. Now, because of that, I want to look a little bit at the ascension of the Lord so that we can see the manner of his coming when he returns sometime, perhaps not too far away. We see Christ's ascension and we see Christ's return in these verses. Christ's ascension was... A very dramatic event. He was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. I want you to notice some very simple things about this. I want you to notice that it was a visible event. It was something that they saw. There were eyewitnesses there. The disciples saw it happening. And what a thing to see. Can you imagine the effect that it must have had upon them? Did you ever get that pounding in your heart when something truly amazing happens? Did you ever stand in amazement and watch something spectacular? And could you multiply that? I don't know how many times to get the experience of the disciples that day. It must have been breathtaking. Perhaps that's why they were standing, gazing into heaven. But that's why we have this account. Because there were people there 
who actually witnessed this happening. I want to look at the actual way it happened, the ergonomics, if you like. It tells us here that Jesus was taken up. There's a great significance in that. And there's huge symbolism and huge importance. Jesus ascended. He literally rose up before these eyewitnesses. That's why they're gazing here. Recorded for us by Luke, a learned doctor, a man who is an expert historian, a man whose books uh, are tested as being biblical histories, histories that are full of factuality, and that never in this genre of writing is there anything that's fictitious. This is a man who's faithfully recording events. So Jesus ascended. He rose from this earth to heaven, and he rose to an exalted position. He was taken The next bit tells us that a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, whenever you think of that, you think of the glory of God, don't you? Because you will know as well as I know that when he was received up into a cloud, we always think in the scriptures, when we think of clouds, of the glory of God, don't we? You think of how it was that uh, in the Old Testament, Whenever there, Moses went up into the mountain and there was thunderings and a dark cloud. We think of the cloud that, that stood between the Israelite army, uh, uh, the Israelite people and the army of the Egyptians as they marched towards the Red Sea, causing them confusion. We think of the cloud that, that led the people of God by day. We think of the time whenever Solomon's temple was being dedicated and the cloud filled the temple and the priests could hardly stand to minister as the cloud filled the temple. And on the very Mount of Transfiguration itself, when Jesus uh, was there with the heavenly representatives, Moses and Elijah, and the eyewitnesses of his majesty watching on, there was a cloud The interesting thing is, if you read that, you will discover the clouds in the Old Testament were dark, foreboding clouds, weren't they? But when Jesus was on the mount that day, the Bible distinctly says there was a bright cloud. God's glory coming in a cloud, perhaps just to shield us from the brightness and the intensity of his glory. And that day, a cloud received the Lord Jesus simply to remind the disciples that Christ had ascended into heavenly glory. And that brings me to the next point. When he was received that day, what rejoicing must there have been in heaven? Do you know, I can hardly even begin, and you can hardly even begin, to imagine the rapturous welcome that our Saviour received that day as he went into heaven's splendour, the mighty, victorious, conquering Saviour. 
be exalted by the heavenly host, as he took his place upon the throne, seated at the right hand of his Father, having fully satisfied God's justice, having completed God's plan of salvation, having demonstrated God's love upon the cross, having defeated the works of the devil, having defeated death and the grave, having redeemed the elect, having risen from the dead and ascended into heaven's splendor. And I wonder what it must have been like. Will you turn with me to the book of Psalms? Psalm 24, verse 7. I wonder in God's providence and in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing God's word. I wonder what the psalmist was thinking of whenever he wrote Psalm 24 and verse 7. Listen to this. Think of the Lord returning to splendor and heaven's gates, those magnificent gates being flung open as a conquering Savior ascends into heaven's glory. The psalmist says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty and battle. Lift up your heads O ye gifts. Even lift them up ye everlasting doors that the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I think that's something like what happened on that marvelous day when the all conquering Jesus returned the heaven's splendor. It was visible. It was glorious. And it was very necessary. For Christ has a heavenly ministry. That ministry is to intercede for us. For having ascended into heaven, he sits at the right hand of God, ever living to intercede for us. A woman called Charity Bancroft was born in Dublin. And she was the daughter of a Church of Ireland minister called Sidney Smith, Reverend Sidney Smith. And she must have had a grasp of this truth. She wrote these words in a poem. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written in on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Marvelous words. He ascended to intercede for us. His ascension was necessary. For he would begin his heavenly ministry of intercession. 
It was necessary because he would send us the Holy Spirit. Because in John's Gospel, chapter 16, he makes a promise to his disciples. I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And of course, the glorious thought is that he ascended to prepare a place for us in heaven's glory. John 14, those familiar words. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Glorious heavenly ministry. And that ascension day would mark its beginning. I would just love if Luke had given us more information. But he's just given us enough. What God intended him to do. But it's of huge significance. The Lord's ascension into glory. And the reason I'm going through that and spending so much time on it is simply because the ascension of the Lord is, in essence, related to his return. The manner of his ascension indicates the manner of his return. And this again is of vital importance for for the disciples. They had to learn this. Look very strongly emphasizes the physical nature of Christ's ascension. And he faithfully records the words regarding his return. And it's all about a literal, physical, bodily return of the risen Lord Jesus. He says this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Just as he went, literally, bodily that day, one day, so shall he return. For the Christian, The glorious image of Christ's return has long been a source of great comfort. We have a little graveyard around the church and sometimes on a nice morning some folks will walk around the graveyard just a little small burial place, churchyard. They walk around it before they come into church and when you look some of the headstones they're Old godly people, people who've been buried there for nearly 200 years. And some of the gravestones have these words, till he come. It's only till he come. The dead in Christ shall rise. Great, great comfort. Jesus said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So, in the passage here, we have 
the account of the literal bodily ascension of the Lord Jesus. And we have a reminder that as he left this world, so shall he return. And we have a challenge, an application. Because the men who witnessed the ascension of Jesus are still standing, gazing into heaven. And the men said to him, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? You see, the early church was to be a missionary church, but also to be found when he does return, engaged in his work. The early church was a church that was to witness. It was a church whose task was not complete. It had a call to evangelize the lost, to go out and to preach the gospel and to bring souls to the Lord. There was no time to waste. We must get up and get going. When we come together to worship, blessed by the presence of the Lord, but when we leave this place and go out into the world, we're in a place where we need to work for the Lord, witnessing, expecting his return, praying, expecting his return, praising, expecting his return, trusting, expecting his return. We're to occupy the time until the Lord returns. We're to trust him, living humble, repentant lives, bearing the fruits of that repentance in the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our lives, producing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, knowing that at any moment the Lord might come receive us unto himself. What of those who are not living as we ought to? Those who have grown cold. One of those Christians who no longer have enthusiasm for the Lord's work. Their hearts have been consumed perhaps by unrepented sin. Or they've been dragged into the awful clutches of this world. And for such the thought of Christ's second advent would be an encouragement to walk close to the Saviour. Some time ago I heard a wee story and it was just a simple one. And it was about a man who had gone to preach the gospel in Canada and was preaching at a church and one Lord's Day morning was going to church to the Lord's Supper. And as he went, he saw past the house of a man, and the man was out chopping wood, and he knew this man to be a Christian man, and he knew that his heart had grown cold, and he knew that he started to drift in his own spiritual life. And the man just stopped, and he looked across the fence at him, and he just said, You know, the Lord's coming back, brother. And went on. Said no more. For those words that remind us of the Lord's return are enough. The words affected his conscience 
smote him heavily, and it resulted in him returning to his first love for the Lord. For those of us who know and love the Lord, it's a great encouragement that when he returns, we would be found working for him, praying, praising, simply trusting every day. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing? Do you not know Jesus is coming back in the manner in which he has gone. So with the the words of the early apostles and the early church, we say Maranatha. Even so, come Lord Jesus.